three, two, one, we're live. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Wednesday's edition of the G Meeker MMA Show, episode 146. It's July 18th, 2018. The month of July is nearly over, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you made it a good one. My, like I said, my birthday was on the second of this month, and I consider it my whole birthday month, considering that's the month that I was born. So it's kind of a celebration every single day. With no celebrating, if that makes sense. But anyways, welcome to this episode, this edition, this week's episode. It's 8.32 in the morning, actually. So if you wonder why, it's the first thing I do in the morning is wake up. And, and that's the first thing on my mind is to do the podcast. I, you know, it, it hurts to not do the podcast. It bothers me personally. So that's why I can't go a certain amount of time without doing the podcast. So... Obviously, you have a lot of stuff to talk about. You know, UFC 226 was a couple weeks ago. We had UFC Boise last week. And and um, we have also UFC 227 coming up. We might talk about that one. We might not. And we got some other things to talk about today, too. So sit back, relax, get ready, kick your feet up. And a very interesting a very interesting thing came to mind when I was I was thinking about this the other day. Okay, so... You know how we all have podcasts, right? We all have podcasts. We all have YouTube channels. We all have different shit that we tune into and a lot of different things that we all do personally, you know, singly as humans. Like every separate human does their own personal thing. There's something that everybody likes. And it's just the fact that, like, if you have a podcast or if you have music, if you're a music artist, you're a podcaster, you're a singer, it doesn't matter what, what it is that you, like, do. But just the fact that someone, doesn't matter who, is taking time out of their day to listen to you, to turn on the best podcast, to turn on the Jimmy MMA show, to turn on uh, Ariel Hawani's MMA show, just any anything that anybody turns on because of you, just, just take a moment to sit down and, and appreciate that. That's the coolest part about it. Like it. Some people do it without, you know, wanting to, like, for example, me, I do it without wanting to, attract attention but if i do then that's what i want to do especially when it comes to like the motivating talk and stuff and all that like when it comes to talking about like stuff that can make you feel better spiritually physically emotionally like if there's people out there that can relate to that that's kind of what i'm targeting i you know it's mainly like a sports radio show and that's mainly all we talk about that's like the dominant thought dominant topic that we have on this podcast but it's like you know, if I can make someone feel better, then I will. Along with educating them on my personal opinions and shares and my views on the world of mixed martial arts and all the events that go on and happen. Does that make sense? That's what I like to do, basically. You know, I've said this, told this many times on this podcast. You know, I literally thought of this show when I was really like running on the bike trail. I was running on a bike trail one day and I stop and I'm like, I want to get myself out there. Like, I want to have a, I want people to know what my thoughts are. I want to know what people think about what I have to say. I give my thoughts on these fights. I used to originally want to work right in the fan section for um, bloodyelbow.com, massive MMA site, one of the, one of the best uh, in the world, one of the, the pop, most popular Twitter feeds that I follow when it's fight night and I can't see the actual, um, I can't actually see, like, the fights live. Like, if I'm on the road or something's going on or I'm not at home, not able to watch them, 
then that's usually the Twitter feed that I'll usually go to for that. So Bloody Elbow, I used to want to do that. And all of a sudden, this podcast just came to me. So, you know, I was a young kid at the time, young guy. So I really kind of didn't know how to do it. I know there was YouTube and stuff, but I wasn't really familiar with all the video. I didn't like having video, video like in my face and stuff like that. You know, I kind of felt a little bit uncomfortable. But if that comes comes here down the line, by all means, I will do it. And I will adjust myself for that. But, like, the, the major dominant thought was, like, I want to get my voice out there. Not my voice. It's not what I – my voice It's not the way it sounds. It's just what I say and how I want to feel like I bring a different feel to the podcast world versus, you know, everyone else. You know, everybody generally talks about the same things in the mixed martial arts world and community, but they talk about it in different ways. You got a lot of different people that have different opinions, different thoughts. And, you know, I listen to some of these podcasts and they all pre- pretty much like basically just, you know, are saying the same thing, but in a different way. But that's like not my, my thing isn't too want to say the same things as everybody else i kind of want to put it into my own words and you know see both sides of the story versus just you know having one straight way that we talked about it and instead of mixing it up that's the thing we like to do is mix things up so that's my way of kind of doing it that's kind of what separated me from when i first started because you know everybody goes through this shit it's it's something that we all personally think about i'm sure a lot of you guys do I mean, if you if you follow the rap world, if you are an artist yourself or whatever you do, whatever you follow, I know there's a lot of people that host their own podcasts that hear these podcasts too. So from one podcaster, from one storyteller to another, I know that there was times in the beginning when you're first beginning out that you're thinking about how many people actually do sit down and listen to this. My brother told me he listens to this when he goes to sleep. Am I like really that boring? No, I'm just kidding. No, but he like it's a good it's a good uh, ladies like voice because like I, I, it's soothing and it brings them to sleep. I have people tell me that. I literally have people fall fall asleep on the phone before just just talking to me because I talk a lot, and I can lull you to sleep with a lot. Talk too talk too much sometimes, but that's why I feel like the voice is perfect for podcasting. And um, but anyways, like I said, we gotta. I mean, like I said, you just gotta sit there and be thankful about it. Be thankful, just in general. I wake up every day thankful to be here, thankful to be alive, and thankful to be a part of everything that I'm a part of. I'm thankful to have a hobby like this. You know, it's not it's a it's, it's a job for me, but you know, it's more a hobby because I love it so much. You know, it's something that I'm su- truly passionate about. It's something that I really want to do. It's something that I can't live without. I feel like you know, when those times where I didn't do the show or anything like that, it was the hardest times for me. But, you know, I got through it. We got through it. And, you know, the main objective here is to get the most fans on board as possible, to spread the most knowledge and, and to provide the most unique experience for you when you turn on that podcast. When you click on iHeartRadio, when you click on over to the podcast tab, when you search your favorite podcast, the Jimmy Kermit Show, it will be breaking through and you will be hearing my voice on the podcast. You can find it on iTunes podcast. If you have an iPhone iPad, iPod, just search up the Jimmy Carrey Show on the podcast app and you should find it, subscribe it, and every other new podcast that I have post up, you know, maybe probably about 30 minutes after, a little bit less. Sometimes it really varies on how, how long the show was. So it's pretty easy to access. You know, it's available on every single one of the podcasting, you know, major podcast providers. You know, there's Castbox. There's uh, iHeartRadio. Originally said Spotify, but I haven't found it on there yet. Um, and uh, 
there's, there's you could probably find them if you listen to podcasts. Google Play Music, I think, hosts them as well. So it's it's pretty accessible. So, anyways, ladies and gentlemen, enough with that. Let's not waste any more time here on today's episode of the G Meeker MMA Show. Let's start on off with uh, UFC 226, which was a good a good card, a solid card with a lot of interesting fights, a lot of uh you know breakthrough performances, a lot of shocking performances, and uh, the more shocking one, the more amazing one that I'm particularly excited about has to be in the main event. And what Daniel Cormier did was absolutely, uh, you know, I didn't I I thought he could win, but I didn't know he was going to win like that. That's the thing. I didn't know he was going to win. I didn't know he was going to knock Stipe Miocic out like that. And that was the thing. Like, after the fight, I was, you know, you have these post-fight thoughts. You're thinking about the fight. You're thinking about what happened. And for me, I thought if Daniel beat Stipe, I didn't think he was going to beat him like that. I thought it was going to be a long, hard, unanimous decision, five-round unanimous decision. You know, he becomes a heavyweight champion and, you know, collects history, but he knocked Stipe Miocic out in the first round, and the way he did it, we had never seen Stipe get starched like that. You know, we seen him, his only other loss by TKO or stoppage was against Stefan Struve in a fight of the night performance where he hurt Struve. It was back and forth. It was one of his, you know, it was, I think it was his first or second loss inside the octagon. I don't know if the Dos Santos fight was first. I think it was a, the Struve fight. It was a Stefan Struve fight first. I think he had, like, a main event slot against Struve, and then um, Struve beats him, and then after that, you know, Miocic wins a, a close fight, or loses a close fight with Dos Santos, a lot of people saw it in Miocic's favor, a lot of people saw it in Dos Santos's favor, I personally think Junior did enough to win that one, it was a really razor-thin close fight, but obviously you see the rematch, you see Stipe starts Junior Dos Santos, and then you go from there, so we'll talk about what's um, next for Stipe and Miocic as well, but I want to highlight the career of Dan Cormier. Like, just the way that Cormier was able to do it. I mean, if you look at the guy's legacy, if you look at what he's accomplished so in his career, you know, he started MMA at 30. Um, you know, he's a UFC light heavyweight champion. Um, obviously, his only losses were to John Jones. You know, second one turned into a no contest, but in a lot of people's eyes. You know, this man has only lost to John Jones, the greatest light heavyweight of all time, who is unfortunately his biggest enemy and isn't able to fight and compete due to, you know, USADA, uh, USADA violations and being out, you know, testing positive. You know, Jones has a whole history of, of crazy fiascos in and outside the octagon. So we're not going to talk about that, but we're going to, you know, that will always be a shadow looming over Cormier. But in reality, John, Cormier said it best. John, uh, you know, he canceled himself out of the argument right now because of his actions. So with John Jones's actions, that's canceled him out of this whole entire thing. So Cormier winning two belts, he did what John Jones originally wanted to do. John Jones wanted to originally go up to heavyweight. Win. You know, eventually John was cleaning out the entire division. You know, he beat Gustafson, he beat Cormier. He, he didn't ever got the chance to fight Anthony Rumble Johnson, unfortunately. That would have been a fun fight. But, you know, he essentially did everything he needed to do. You know, he was the youngest champion in UFC history, 23 years old. He knocked out or TKO'd Shogun Hua. And he won the light heavyweight champion, beat Leota Machida, uh, beat Rampage, beat Rashad, beat Gustafson. You know, he's beaten Oban St. Prue. He's beating himself, technically. But, you know, John, John's accomplishments are very, very fantastic. And he will forever go down in history books as one of the best light heavyweights on the planet. 
But in reality, look at we have to look at the future of what Cormier is doing. He has till March of next year. He said he wants to get two more fights in. Uh, yeah, obviously, we all know that the Brock Lesnar fight is lined up already. That fight's a go. Uh, we just got to wait for when that's going to happen, when that's officially going to be announced. But in the meantime, Brock isn't eligible to come back until January of next year. So we've got till August to December, which he can fit one more fight in for Cormier. So he said he's targeting Shogun Hua if Shogun is successful against Anthony Smith, which I think is... When is that fight? Let me look real quick, and then we'll get on. We'll get on up to, uh, you know, what's uh, also we'll get, we'll get to two uh, two other uh, UFC two twenty six winners. Um, let me see, Shogun versus Smith. Let me see, Shogun versus Smith is. Let me see. We got Shogun versus Smith UFC Fight Night one thirty four and Nabarkale. Barclay Card Arena in Hamburg, Germany, um, July 22nd. So July 22nd is, today's 18th, 19th. Yeah, it's, so that's the next fight card coming up, Shogun versus, versus Anthony Smith. So that should be, the that, that fight, particularly in the main event, will be the fight to really tell if Shogun could possibly be Cormier's next opponent. You know, if Shogun wins, then the UFC can be like, okay, this is what Cormier would want to do. What does Cormier want to do? He wants to squeeze one more fight in. You know, the best damn thing he could do is defend his titles. Both both of his last two fights are, are title defenses. So he fights Shogun, defends against Shogun, and then in January of next year, he gets up and he fights Brock. So that's essentially two title defenses. In my head, I feel like he's going to win both of them. So, you know, perfect, perfect, perfect retirement for one Shogun, Hua. And I think that's the best thing for him. But let me, let me tell you, Anthony Smith is no, no uh, easy, easy ride in the, in the park. I mean, you've seen him at middleweight. Obviously, we, the, I think the last time he lost was against uh, Tiago Santos. And there's no, there's no, uh, uh, what's it called? There's no shame in losing to a guy like that. Tiago Santos has the mean look. He has a mean mug look. He, he, he's very dangerous. He has knockout power as well. He's a brutal guy. He's a nasty finisher, and you know he's one of the more underrated guys and one of the more scarier, intimidating looking guys at 185 pounds. And you know both guys were hurt. That was a fun fight. It was back and forth. You know, unfortunately Anthony Smith loses, but Anthony Smith and Rashad Evans both d returned to 205 pounds in, in Anthony's last fight. And Anthony Smith uh, defeated Rashad Evans by, I think it was like a knockout in under, I think it was like 43 seconds in the first round with a beautiful knee. And, you know, he's a well-spoken guy. He's a smart guy. Uh, he fights real good. You know, he's a big guy. So he was a huge guy for 185 pounds. But, um, you know, I feel that the move to 205 pounds, especially for a guy with that many fights and that much experience, in, in, in the in the cage, he definitely is a big guy, and you know, we all know that weight cutting is the biggest enemy of, of a lot of these fighters. And you know, the fight before the fight is also the weight cut. And you know, we t we heard Michael Chiesa talk about it, how he almost died. He felt like he almost he was going to die. Uriah Hall, more notably, a lot of these bigger guys who are cutting to 155 pounds. So um, it definitely uh, definitely can take a toll on you. So Smith versus Shogun should be a great fight. Um, obviously, it was originally supposed to be Shogun versus uh, Volkan Ozdemir, but Volkan Ozdemir not getting uh, cleared to travel was um, moved to 
UFC 227 with Alexander against Alexander Gustafson. Let me see if that's right. UFC 2 UFC 2. I'm typing on my phone, so if you hear something in the background, that's what my phone my phone's typing. Um, TJ Dillashaw, yeah, UFC 227 in um, August 4th in the Staples Center. So that card will be headlined by bantamweight champion TJ Dillashaw taking on Cody Garbrandt in a rematch. Co-main event, Demetrius Johnson versus Henry Cejudo, which is also a rematch. So both title fights are championship-level rematches. Light heavyweight, Alexander Gustafson versus Volkan Ozdemir. Poliana Viana versus J.J. Aldridge. And Cub Swanson versus Renato Moicano. I think more uh, fights to come on that card, unless there's an undercard or something, but that just does not seem like a, a stacked card. I mean, it's stacked, but we want it to be more stacked. Obviously, with the undercards and all that, we'll get we'll get a lot of that. So that should be good. Um, I mean, a lot of people, going back to Cormier real quick, um, a lot of people would like to see Cormier fight Gustafson again. But, you know, I, I'm content with the way he beat him last time. You know, obviously, Gustafson did knock him down, and he did make that fight very close. And, you know, like Gustafson has made both fights with John, with, with the fight with John and both and the fight with Cormier, both close. You know, it, it, I just feel that DC's two career fights are mapped out. I want to see him fight Shogun, and then I want to see him fight Brock Lesnar because we don't know what's going to happen with John. And I'm really honestly just good off of what, you know, Cormier and John Jones, you know, obviously it's, it's going to forever have, if he doesn't fight Cormier or fight John before the end of his career, it's forever going to have a weird taste on his legacy. You know, we, it's almost like we have to see one more. Maybe John's just the overall competitor, but John is his biggest enemy. So it's more on the side of John is he's eliminating himself from being able to fight Cormier because of his own actions. That's all. Just don't take any performance enhancers. You'll be fine. Food and water. That's all you put in your body. Occasional aspirins when you get headaches from the women, or from your wife, or from, from stress. It's just it's just a matter of uh, you know, what you're taking and what's on the band list. I mean, we're not gonna get into that, but John Jones is basically like his own his own worst enemy. So all right, moving on to another winner, UFC 226 winner, main card. Anthony Pettis defeats Michael Chiesa by nasty armbar. You know, a lot of people said Anthony Showtime Pettis is back. Everybody's celebrating. But for me, I, you know, it, it was a great victory for Anthony. I'm not going to rag on him or say anything like that. But for me to really officially think that Showtime is back, you know, I want to see him maybe uh, – Rack up and maybe a, a win or two, a couple more wins after this to really solidify his spot as being back. You know, he's called out Ally Quinta. Um, the UFC said that was an, not an option. He was out indefinitely for some odd reason. I don't know why, if it was an injury or something. But um, he also did take it to Twitter to call out Nate Diaz. But everybody's called out Nate Diaz. Everybody's called out. You know, Kevin Lee's called out Nate Diaz, and Edson Barbosa did at one point. I don't know. Uh, Nate Diaz is is not in the mix right now. I don't know what Nate Diaz and uh, Nick Diaz are doing, but they're definitely not in the mix. So they're really basically irrelevant in the sport right now. So for Showtime, I feel that like he needs to call out a guy like Kevin Lee or something like that. Kevin Lee's number five. Pettis is number eight. Kevin Lee's talk shit. Talks a lot of shit. He's a he's a good guy to get motivated for. Obviously, he's not he's not a great guy to fight because he's, a, he's very dangerous. And he, he what he has in his uh 
what he has um, in the tank for Pettis is, you know, it's dynamite. You know, so what Kevin Lee brings is a lot of serious problems to a lot of people in this division. So Showtime versus Kevin Lee should be the fight for, for Showtime as well as, um, or I don't know. I really don't know who else, you know, if he, he wants a title shot. He wants to be put back on that throne. Then he's got to do something spectacular. You know, obviously he looks spectacular against a huge Michael Chiesa. Michael Chiesa is a big guy. He's a big, strong, tough, gritty guy. He's a hard guy to fight because he's just always in your face. He doesn't make it easy for you. So for Showtime to get a victory over a guy like that, a bigger guy than him, um, Michael Chiesa said he essentially gets up to 205 pounds sometimes. And he could easily be 205 pounds. So, you know, definitely, definitely a tough, tough fight for anybody. But, you know, Showtime was able to get the victory. He was able to get the nod. So I want to see him against Kevin Lee next. And one more main card winner um, was a very – it wasn't a shocker. The, the result was kind of shocking in, to an extent. But um, – it was Khalil Roundtree Jr. knocking out Gokhan Saki. You fucking idiot. Um, it was Khalil uh, Roundtree Jr. knocking out some dude on like a grass, a grass cutter just went by. It looks like a fucking retarded kid. Um, looks like he's in a happy place. Um, what is it? Gokhan Saki knocks. Uh, Khalil Roundtree Jr. knocks. Out Gohan Saki. Now we, we all know Gohan Saki is one of the most talented kickboxers on the planet. He's one of the best in the world, actually. You know, if not the one of the best. You know, he's definitely on that list of best kickboxers to ever roam the planet. So he fights clean around two junior six two and one. I think one no contest or something like that. But um. Yeah, Khalil Roundtree Jr. is definitely a tough customer. He can knock people out. He has he has huge power. He has a. Uh, you know, definitely has great wrestling, but you know he's a natural-born striker, which I, which he said, and I believe it because you know he has nasty power. I mean, the way he did it, like he knocked him out with a straight punch down right down the middle. He he flatlined Gokhan Saki. You know, Gokhan Saki. I mean, it's different because kickboxing, MMA, MMA strikes, kickboxing. You know, definitely did show early signs of some good stuff. You know, some nasty kicks and you know kickboxing. You know, essentially like if. There's nobody in there that's trying to take him down. It's going to be easier fight for Gohan. It's going to be a lot more competitive, you know, just despite the one win and two losses record, despite his losing record in MMA, you know, he's all, he's all made, he's made, um, he's been successful in combat sports outside of the octagon. MMA is just a different sport. Now, going back to Khalil, was I thought Khalil maybe would use his grappling and his wrestling to shut down the offense of Gohan Saki because obviously, you know, he's a dangerous striker. He, he, he obviously you can't make you can't make any mistakes against a guy like that, and um, you know we we all thought Elliot, I I know there's a handful of people out there possibly would have thought that you know he would have used his grappling to you know shut down the offense, but you know essentially he used his striking, he knocked him out. So you know, congrats to Khalil. I did go for him. I did say Khalil Roundtree Jr. was the underdog in this fight. Actually, a guy with way more experience than Gokhan in in the cage was a. Uh, favored to win a guy with a guy with less fights less fights in his, in his career or in his life was favored to uh was the underdog obviously a guy with less fights in the octagon mma mma experience wise gokhan was a favorite because the striking and 
you know, but I always knew ever since that fight was announced, I, I knew Cleo was going to be a tough, tough customer. Definitely was a huge, um, tough customer for him. Um, we've seen a, uh, a really interesting uh, finish by Nico Price, you know, hammer fist from the bottom. He was on the bottom. He was on his back and used his hammer fist to, to, to knock out Randy Brown. You know, that was a kind of a, a crazy position. You know, we don't really see hammer fist knockouts from the bottom. Since when, when's the last time that we've seen a, like a knockout from the bottom? And say Shortcut defeats uh, Zach Otto by a KO, Hammer Fist as well. So two Hammer Fist victories in one night. So that was a good night for them. Um, for UFC Boise, excuse me. This was all for UFC to Boise. We just switched on over to Boise without making the transition. In my head, I feel like we're still talking about 226. I'm glad we made the transition. But, yeah, Junior Dos Santos defeats Blagoy Ivanov by unanimous decision. The uh, Dos Santos, the gypsy, is back. He looked good, especially in the first round. Like, the way he was able to mix up his movement and, you know, his kicks, his punches, his jab. I mean, he's always had fantastic, like, boxing and, and movement and stuff. Um, like, ever since he made the move to American Top Team. I'm not saying his other gyms weren't good. And stuff, but his move to American Top Team has really rounded out his game a lot more, and definitely has made Dos Santos overall a well-rounded striker. He gets this win. It was a much-needed win for him. Uh, obviously, he lost to Stipe before that, and then he beat Ben Rothwell before that. He was out due to USADA complications. You know, tainted supplements was the actual truth about it. You know, he fought the case. You know, there wasn't anything that he did that was bad in his system or anything like that so you know dos santos comes clean he's out for a year he comes back main events against blagoy ivanov defeats blagoy ivanov who had only lost one fight in his career in his entire career you know he beat the brakes off of people in wsof he is he was like 16 one and one no contest or something like that but but now he's 16 and two but you know junior dos santos is one of the best fighters in the world and you know he he's kind of i think he's 34 years old he's kind of one of the younger heavyweights you know we used to have guy like stone uh stone aged people like uh how dc said 2010 was like the stone age I, I, we're talking about that right after this but um does uh dos santos was probably one of the younger heavyweights um you know younger heavyweights but you know career-wise he's he's been fighting for a very long time so he's been fighting for a little bit of time uh a, a long time you know we all seen that knockout of Fabrizio over doom that dos santos had in the beginning um and uh you know he's knocked out gabriel gonzaga he's knocked out kane velasquez i mean beating frank mir you know beat the breaks off of shane carwin one of the best but one of the better performances of Dos Santos's career and um Ben Rothwell which he looked fantastic against too so you know Stipe is just such a hard guy to fight Stipe is not a guy that everyone's gonna look good against so in that second fight with Stipe you know Stipe was able to knock Junior out and Junior has lost by TKO uh to Cain Velasquez Alistair Overeem and Stipe Miocic, so he's been stopped three times in his career by stoppage. You know, Alistair Overeem fight, uh, he's just getting he's getting caught, and he's getting hit cleanly. And it's not that he can't take a punch or anything, he's just getting clean. He's been hit, getting hit cleanly. You know, Stipe hits like a fucking truck. You know, for the amount of 
damage and punishment that Dos Santos has taken. You know, prior, probably, you know, close to where the before the Kane fights, he hadn't necessarily took that much damage or anything like that, but he did take a central amount of damage that could uh, play the parts for his um, for his uh, his losses down the line later on in his career. So, you know, congrats to Junior Dos Santos. Uh, what should be next for Dos Santos? Um, I feel maybe a matchup with Alexander Volkov or something like that. You know, or you know, he called for the fight, third fight with Stipe Miocic. Um, I'm not trying to protect Dos Santos. I think that's a good fight for him. But Stipe is coming off of a loss, and we kind of want to see Dos Santos get momentum again. Maybe a five rounder against Stipe Miocic would be would be good too. You know, to gain momentum. Obviously, he wants to beat the guy that last beat him. So we could take out the fact that Stipe Miocic lost his last fight by knockout. And we can put in the fact that we can we can uh, have him fight Dos Santos again. But Stipe wants a rematch with DC, which I don't think is going to happen because I don't you know it's not going to make DC money. So DC wants to you know f finally def defend the title at 205 pounds one more time, and then go to heavyweight fight Brock Lesnar, get the biggest money fight ever, beat Brock Lesnar, and retire. That's the perfect uh, ride in the sunset for the champion Daniel Cormier. So why not go with it? So. Like I said, Junior Dos Santos, if he doesn't get the fight with Stipe, I want to see him fight Alexander Volkov. I, I really have no interest in seeing him beat Derek, uh, fight Derek Lewis, excuse me. Because, you know, Derek Lewis is having a lot of back problems. And, you know, he obviously does. I mean, that would be a fun fight. I just feel Dos Santos is really up there. You know, he's one of the, For Derek Lewis, that would be a big fight for, for, for him to really prove to them but you know with his back issues and all that i just want to see skill versus skill right now Derek lewis is having a lot of problems obviously we've seen this fight with francis and ganu wasn't one of the best ones but he did beat him i want to see what ranking Derek lewis is after that actually i'm going to look that up but um yeah alexander volkov it was an alternative if uh dc or anybody from the dc Stipe fight was injured he was gonna uh he was gonna fill in so he was on the he was on the back burn to do that. He even weighed in, but you know he is one of the best heavyweights too. And I'm curious to see how. I mean, he beat Fabricio Verdum in his last fight, so you can't you can't take nothing away from Alexander. So he was an alternative. Obviously, they didn't need one. Only casualty was a co-main event, and we moved on. Still would want to see that co-main event though, by all means. But um, all right, moving on. Yeah, how about those hammer fists though, man? To knock out someone from the bottom like that, from your back. Randy Brown's a, a scrappy wrestler. I mean, Nico Price is one of those guys who is very underrated, who's very skilled. You know, he's lost his fight, his fights quietly. He's come back. He's he's had fantastic performances, and um, he's looked good doing it. And I have to say, a guy like Nico Price, he's a prospect. He's definitely made his move. And he is definitely, um, you know, is one of those guys to look out for. You know, I like prospects like that. I like people, new stars that UFC can get behind, fans can get behind, guys like Anthony Smith. You know, I talk very highly of Anthony Smith. My friend Dylan's asking, he had him on the podcast, by the way, Dylan. Um, he's asking, why are you so high on Anthony Smith? I'm just like, dude, look at the guy. He can fight good. He's a tall guy. I mean, if you look at a cage fighter, he's essentially what a cage fighter can represent. Like, you look at a picture of him, oh, that dude looks like a bad motherfucker. He's a nice guy. He's a good, cool guy. Seems like a very humble 
but very straightforward kind of guy. And, you know, he's a guy that I feel is one of those guys to make the breakthrough, as, as is Nico Price, Sage Northcutt. We got all these fantastic stars. I mean, Sean O'Malley, Zabit Magomed Sharipov. We got a lot of fantastic new talent in the UFC that the UFC is producing from either the Contender Series, the Ultimate Fighter, or just stars that they brought in from other organizations such as the WSOF, now LFA, um, Bellator, formerly Bellator, like Hector Lombard was from Bellator, Strike Force. You know, the UFC's gotten some of the best fighters in the world from Strike Force. So the UFC's just branded up with different fighters coming up from different places, people winning on other organizations, coming here, being signed, and all that. So it's just an overall, it's a good experience. And, you know, we have all the famous stars in the UFC, the best fighters all in the UFC. So it's really an honor to see prospects like this come about and cr be created. And we can use these guys. We can be excited. We can get behind these guys. We can be motivated. We can be motivated to have new stars. You know, the next Conor McGregor, the next big thing. You know, I, I hope shit talking isn't another thing in 2020, for example. Like, I don't want to think that that's a going to be a thing. I'm curious to see what, what areas and which angles and ways the sport is going to turn. But hopefully it turns in a good way. That's, that's all I'm saying. It's hopefully that it turns in a good way. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're moving on to what else do we got? Um, Shogun versus Smith. Um, Co-main event, Glover Teixeira versus uh, Corey Anderson. Interesting fight. Glover Teixeira is... Still one of the most dangerous guys in the world. Knockout power, great wrestling, great submissions. But Chinny, not Chinny, but he he was isn't what he once was, in a way. So what I mean by that is like obviously he's been knocked out by Anthony Johnson pretty fast, beaten down by Alexander Gustafson, which is one of the best performances of Gustafson's career. Probably by far. I mean, good fucking God, Gustafson looked good in that fight. I didn't even think he ever looked as better as he did there. But, you know, um, Glover Teixeira, you know, has the experience advantage, has great boxing. Obviously, like I said, great jujitsu, great conditioning, um, great cardio, good combinations, kind of like a modern-day Chuck Liddell. It's funny saying that now because I right before I said that, I didn't even think about the fact that, you no, know, in 2018, Glover Teixeira and Chuck Liddell are fighting. Glover Teixeira, I understand, but Chuck Liddell is fighting in 2018. Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz in a posse fight, again, for the third time. And for the longest time, when I first started following Glover's career in the UFC, he was like kind of like the, the protege of Chuck. He was the protege of Chuck, and, you know, he is the modern-day version of what Chuck was back in the day, and he was doing all that. So he did, he did all that, and now he's got a stiff test in front of him in the form of Corey Anderson. Defeated Patrick Cummins by unanimous decision in his last fight and dominated Patrick Cummins, kind of basically. Patrick Cummins is usually the one that tries to dominate everybody else. You know, he, he, he racked up some good wins, you know, got in the UFC. First guy ever fought in the UFC was Daniel Cormier. Like, good fucking God. Claimed he made Cormier cry in the locker, in the training room. And he paid for it on national television. It was originally supposed to be making his light heavyweight debut against Rashad Evans. If you don't know what I'm talking about, we're talking about, Rashad, uh, about Daniel Cormier. But yeah, back to Glover Teixeira. Glover Teixeira is taking on Corey Anderson. Corey Anderson's very tough. You know, his three losses, I think, his, I don't know what his first, I forgot his first, I think John Volante 
That was John Volante. He's lost to Shogun by split decision, which a fight he claims he wants a rematch with also as well. Maybe he can get that down the line with a win over Teixeira. That would be huge for Anderson to get a win over Teixeira. But there's Shogun, there's John Volante, and there's Ovin St. Pru. Ovin St. Pru cracked him in the head with a beautiful head kick. Ovin St. Pru, good fucking God. He starched Corey Anderson in that fight. But Corey has a chance at a real title challenger. Former title challenger. You know, formerly one of the most scariest guys. You know, coming in the UFC like on a 20-something fight win streak. And he's beating Ryan Bader, beat Rampage Jackson. Um, you know, destroyed Fabio Maldonado. Beat the brakes off Kyle's Kingsbury. Uh... Submitted Ovin St. Prue, I think. Yeah, I think you did. Let me look. Because that's curious. I forgot about that fight. Let me look. I'm just going to look real quick. Yeah, go over to Shara. Submitted Ovin St. Prue by, uh, by submission. I think it was rear naked choke in the third round. Yeah, th th three minutes and ten seconds in the third round. Yeah, so they've go over to Sheriff's fought all the guys. He fought John Jones. He's fought Alexander Gustafson. Obviously didn't lose, didn't win against either of those fights, but he's fought. He had the comp competition, the championship level experience. And I feel that, you know, uh, if I had to bet, I would be betting with Glover Teixeira. And after speaking of that, after that, I have a topology account. It's best MMA site, I feel, to bet on fights. You don't obviously bet money, but you just bet your rank and you get belts and you get ranks based off how many perfect picks you make. Like, say, for example, Corey Anderson, decision, unanimous decision. I say you get that right, you get points. But if you pick Corey, I'm picking Corey Anderson. I don't know which method. The sport is crazy, so I don't know if it's going to be a TKO uh, the submission or decision. You can put Corey Anderson decision or Corey Anderson TKO KO round one. So on Tapology, I formerly had a count called the MMA Fighter for You. I was first when I started getting into the sport. I really I started betting. I didn't know who to bet from when I first started. So I had a bunch of losses and shit. But after a while, I picked it up. But I don't remember the password to that account. So I did start fresh. I am currently four and zero due to the fact that I picked a lot of the Bellator fights. You know, Bellator is coming up, definitely. It definitely has a lot of great fights on the horizon, you know, definitely with this heavyweight Grand Prix and all that. So Bellator is definitely something I'm proud to be about. But after this podcast, I'm actually going to go do some fight picks. So um, speaking of fight picks, let's continue with those since we're on the same page. Fight picks, I'm, I'm probably going to go, just so you know, like if I, if I do say this, that means I have to pick it. So I'm going to go with Anthony Smith for the upset. He snaps Shogun's three-fight win streak, makes his arrival at 205 pounds to be known. So Anthony Smith, probably by knockout. First-round knockout, Anthony Smith. Sounds good. If Shogun wins, I'm not going to be upset either because then that means four fights. Four-fight winning streak for Shogun. Like, probably the only guy that has a four-fight winning streak in the light heavyweight division right now. So I would be happy with Shogun. You know, or Anthony Smith winning. You know, Shogun gets that fight with Cormier. That's a fight I've always been supporting ever since Cormier said it. Before that, I've always wanted to see Cormier fight him. So that should be that would be a good uh that would be a good fight for him. But you know, underdogs this year's the year of underdogs. I mean, Kelvin Gastelum fighting Robert Whitaker. Um, we got all these prospects and new stars coming out. So why don't we keep the prospect and new stars, you know, people we can get behind, the train of those types of people. Let's keep the train rolling. So I'm going to go with Anthony Smith. Um, 
co-main event time, I think Glover Teixeira gets it done by a unanimous decision, probably like, um, yeah, either a unanimous decision or a finish. But Corey Anderson's a tough guy, so it's going to be hard to put him away unless you hit him with something spectacular. So I got to go with Corey Anderson um, by, uh, I mean, Glover Teixeira by a unanimous uh, decision. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I think that is it for us today. Episode 147 of the G Meeker MMA Show. I appreciate you guys all joining us. It was a great time. I enjoyed it. It's good to be back. This is Gabriel Hernandez signing off. You guys know where to find me. If you ever want to talk about MMA, if you ever want to be on the podcast, shoot me an email, shoot me a direct message, slide in the DM, send me the message, tag me on Twitter, follow links. If you're one of those anonymous listeners who don't really, who's not really too active on social media, that's fine. Jimmy Kermay Show. You guys know where you can find it at I, on iHeartRadio. Click on over if you have the app. Click on over the tabs, podcast, and the microphone tab on the, on the podcast on the uh, iHeartRadio app. Type in Jimmy Kermay Show. It should pop up. I iTunes podcast, Apple Podcast, whatever you want to call it. You can find the podcast on there too. My favorite podcasting app that I listen to. All my favorite podcasts: uh, uh, Anna Florian podcast, Ariel Hawani's MMA Show. Recently started listening to MMA Hour yet again. Sounds weird. Ariel Hawani is my only MMA Hour host in my head. But, you know, Luke Thomas brings a different kind of vibe. So, like I said, that was the last thing I want to say. Luke Thomas is fucking amazing. So, that's an, that's a really a, that's actually one of my breakthrough podcasters of the year. I really do enjoy the vibe that Luke brings. So, it's pretty funny hearing him cuss because I never heard him cuss until I heard this podcast. I think he said fucking or something like that. But that that's what I use. So, CastBox. You can find Jimmy Kermit Show on there. Like I said, iHeartRadio and all the other major podcast providers. Ladies and gentlemen, you know where to find me at Jimmy Kermit on Twitter. Follow Jimmy Kermit also on Instagram. Jimmy Kermit underscore MMA on Snapchat. Uh, Facebook.com slash GabyBig123. Facebook.com slash Gabriel the King Hernandez. Ladies and gentlemen, Jimmy Kermit Show on Instagram as well. You can give us a follow there. And my fan page at Gabriel C. Meeker on Instagram. So, ladies and gentlemen. We will be back later on this week for another episode of Segments. And after that, we'll be back the following week to recap all the fights. Shogun versus Smith and all the rest of them. So thank you guys for joining